Hawks live every Thursday night at 7, live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka. Come on, guys. Let me take over. And Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. We're joined on stage by Jerron Brown. How you doing, Jerron? Great. Okay. Thanks for coming here, man. Hey, uh, I want you to know I knitted you a football with the number 18 on it. Oh, look at that. Isn't that <laughs> awesome? Oh, that's awesome? It took for me, me two days. That actually came from Sarah. Who, oh, wow. Sarah, Sarah, Ian, it's my man Mikey over there. There's Mike? another guy named Angelo that's been – he's not here tonight, but he's been coming here for like five years. They all have. So that's awesome. Anyway. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. That's what you get in Seattle. You get a knitted football. I'm just glad you didn't change welcome. your number. Like, no. you know, a lot of times yeah. you go preseason. That's and right. So with that being said, because your Twitter, you're John Brown 13. Correct. 18 <laughs> now. Have you, have you changed numbers? Well, see, I was 18 in high school, and I wore 18 at Clemson in the college. So uh, I was kind of happy when the, when the number was uh, available, and I, I didn't really mind that much from 13. <laughs> yeah. Well, how, how do you like in uh, Seattle? We talked a little bit about the weather. You're coming from down in Arizona. I know you played at Clemson. And uh, what, uh, what's been your impressions of Seattle so far? It's been positive. Um, I don't know. Everywhere I go, people's like, oh, you're going to get the Seattle cold shoulder or something like that. But I, I've had a positive experience. You know, I've uh, been, out, been out and about in Pike's Place and everything. Is, it's been wonderful outside of football and everything. Yeah, it's called like the Seattle Freeze or something. Seattle I've, Freeze. I've never really noticed that. Right? What is yeah. that about? I don't even know what that's about. Maybe <laughs> I'm just too dumb to notice. No, you're but, not dumb. You're a Stanford no. guy. You're good. We're, we're just glad to have it because we were tired of getting that whooping from Arizona the last few years in oh, Century man. Link. Now, you're one of the few guys we've had on the show that came from another team and now with Seattle. What, what is Century Link like to play as a visitor? Uh, really loud. <laughs> um, I would say it's uh, definitely um, you know, a unique stadium in a way that I don't know somehow the sound somehow reflects onto the field. And uh, it's, uh, the 12s bring a lot of energy, and you know, it's a very intimidating place to play. Jerome, let me ask you about one of the things you do really well, uh, that, in my opinion anyway, is you get separation. Now, a lot of times people think, well, okay, that's at the line of scrimmage. But to me, it's like when the ball comes. And Michael Irvin, we talked to one time, he's like, that's the most important time to get separation is when the ball's coming, right? And uh, one of the, the passes that you caught in particular that really caught my eye was down in L.A. with the Chargers. And you, you kind of shielded the guy and then accelerated away at the end. Talk about how, how consciously you work on that kind of stuff. Uh, it's, it's all about positioning. Um, one thing, uh, I don't want to name drop Fitz. He kind of taught me, um, you know, just it's all about playing basketball out there. So uh, whenever you can just kind of create any kind of separation, um, having a guy like three back there, he'll find you. <laughs> yeah, Larry Fitzgerald you're talking about down there, he seems like just the nicest guy in the world. He's a really good guy. <laughs> yeah. So he, he gave you that advice. And then you mentioned number three, uh, Russell Wilson. Uh, talk about his, uh, I hear a lot of receivers saying they really like his deep ball that he throws. What, what, what's so different about it? Oh, man, um, you know, he, uh, he throws it perfectly, uh, perfectly in stride. Uh, that's the main thing. Like, and uh, he could throw a good back shoulder, too. I, I don't, I don't want to discredit only that. But deep, deep balls, that's something we work on. And uh, for him to have different receivers with different speeds, that's very unique for him to be able to do that. When you you got you you know coming from Arizona and, and back when Bruce Arians was there, now here's Seattle. Shared maybe just a difference in cultures, not not a, on a negative, but yeah, you, know, you come from one side to another. Is there is there that big a difference in terminology and philosophy? Uh, 
Yeah, sort of different. I'm, um, you know, from the first week I was here, I was able to kind of tell the difference <laughs> um, in the way just we practice and uh, the way we train. Um, it's much more up-tempo. Um, but at the same time, you know, at Arizona, we, we had a, a pretty good culture there too. But for me to be able to come into this organization, obviously with a great culture and the direction they were going, I was happy to be a part of that. Pretty awesome, Pete. I mean, what is Pete, like 73 or no. 72 years old? No, he's not. No. Really? <laughs> <laughs> he's, listening. Pete. he's listening. Uh-huh. You're in trouble. No, but I mean, honestly, he is the, he's the oldest coach in the league, and it, it's amazing how much energy that guy has. He brings it every day. Have you ever seen Pete without a smile or energy no, I never seen him without a football in his hand. And gloves on. Yeah, he's constantly, uh, you know, throwing footballs and catching and everything. And I, I wouldn't even have known that his age <laughs> had you not mentioned anything. Yeah, he's not really seventy three. I'm giving him a hard time. He's but, not. But yeah, he's always throwing the ball. He, he's, it looks like he fancies himself a quarterback. Oh yeah. Does he yeah, throw yeah. a good ball? Uh, I have to admit, yes, he does throw pretty pretty <laughs> decent ball. You know, you uh, you played your your football in college at Clemson. Right. They they've. Uh, they got quite the program now, and in that tradition coming down the the steps. I don't know, I guess it's not step. Was that a tradition when you were there, or was that a new one? For sure, it was definitely a tradition. Um, I would say uh, once kind of Dabble Swinney took over as head coach, and that was my freshman year. Um, it really set that tradition, and you know, a winning winning program and become one of those top elite programs. It's fun for guys and for you in the locker room too. Oh yeah, for sure. Saturdays. I mean, it's uh, it's real quiet. I don't know. It's, it's, it's been real quiet the last couple of years. I don't, nobody really talks so much smack to me uh, as far as on Saturdays. Quite, quite the program, man. Because <laughs> I mean, that is a great atmosphere. I mean, everybody's dressed in orange. That's pretty loud too. You're gonna have to give us a comparison now. Century Link versus what, is it the Pit? What, what Death Valley. Death, Death Valley. There we go. Death Valley. Um, I don't know. That, that's that's real tough because those, those college games, especially those. Uh, those rival night games, they used to get real crazy. So, um, in comparison, of course, I, I think Seahawks Stadium is louder. But <laughs> good, good call. Yeah, and it's been fun for you because they've been so good. Uh, we're at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar, joined by Jerron sure. Brown and new receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, Jerron, um, what's it like uh, playing for a guy like? Dabo Swinney. Am I saying it right? Dabo, Dabo Swinney? Dabo. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he just seems like such a positive guy. So you go from that guy to, to Pete Carroll and uh, pretty similar. But uh, he just seems like he really loves his players. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been fortunate. You know, um, I had a, some great coaches coming up. Um, you know, Dabo, one thing about him, he's real players coach and, you know, a real just a good good guy off the field. You know, you know he asks you how you're doing. He really, he really means it. I really want to know. Um, and I think that's kind of shown in the program they got there. Talk about your high school town. I was looking. You did a lot. I mean, you were a track guy. You are a basketball guy, football. Sure. Talk about that high school and, and how you ended up getting to Clemson. Good old Sarah. So, uh, yeah, funny thing is um, I went to high school in a small, small town. That's where my folks grew up in. Once my dad retired from the Navy, re- relocated there, um, played four years at Sarah High School, small school, 2A football in uh, South Carolina. Ended up getting an offer from Clemson, and I don't know, the rest, rest is history. Did you have offers from other places? Was there I other did. choices? My top three was uh, Clemson, uh, South Carolina, and Michigan. Yeah. So, uh, so your dad was a Navy guy, so before he retired, then did you move around a lot? For sure. Yeah. For sure. How many different places? Uh, I'll say four or five. Four yeah. or five, yeah, definitely. Yeah. My dad 
switched jobs quite a bit. Uh, he's in the logging industry. And, you know, we were forced to kind of go and be the new kid. And I thought that helped me later on in life to be a little bit more adjustable. You feel that way? Yeah, for sure. You know, you're able to adjust, uh, adjust to different things, uh, you know, pick up friends, lose friends sometimes. That's how it was. But, yeah, definitely being able to adjust. So I got to ask you about this number. Shiraz High School is 31 receptions and 16 touchdowns. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so every every time, every other time I throw you the ball, you're going to score a touchdown. That's how it was. That's how it was. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I, I might have thrown it to you more. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Why yeah. Did they throw it? We ran a wh- wishbone, so we were a running offense. So um, I actually played both ways. I played free safety in high school as well. So now you're talking. Right. I saw over 100 tackles. What four interceptions his senior year. I, did you oh, wow. ever? Did you, you want? Guys did your research? Did, well, did you, I, I'm <laughs> yeah. a DB. I'm a safety man, so I, oh, yeah? <laughs> I, I've got to find something to talk to you about other sure. than you know catching footballs. But did you want to play defense going into college too? Uh, it was an option. Um, I definitely thought about it. Uh, Clemson gave me an option to play both. I was came out as athletes, but ultimately I think I, I decided with the receiver. <laughs> you know, Dave yeah. asked you how you're adjusting to, to Seattle, and it, it, you know you've been down south. You know, down in Clemson, you, you go to Air, or Arizona the Cardinals. Now you're up here. This is this is pretty drastic. I mean, is it is it different for you? Yeah, I mean, I heard a lot more rains coming soon. No, uh, no, no? That, that, we just say oh. that to keep people no, away. Really? Oh, okay. This well. Is, it's been perfect so far. You know, the summer's been great weather. I can't. I really can't complain. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. Do you have a place down in Arizona still? I do. I would hang on to it. Really? <laughs> okay. Yeah, sometimes, you know, there's some months you might want to get out of here. I mentioned to him that uh, when I played here in 91, yeah. before he was born, uh, that I, yes. there was a, it rained every day 90. in June. Were you born in 90? Born in is very close. Real close. It makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that it, it can be that way. But for the most part, yeah, it's, uh, I think that's one of those things that is talked about more than it, it's not the, the reality that it's raining here constantly. So are you a married guy? Yes. And, and kids? One. 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 one? Yeah, so two year old. You're done, Daddy-O, right? You go home at night and you're taking care of your kid. You probably don't have hobbies or anything, do you? Uh, I do have some hobbies. Um, you know, I still like... I'm a big moviegoer. Uh, I don't know. I like playing video games, FIFA, Fortnite, et cetera. Okay. Do you like going to the movies? I do. Into the theater? Right. Because yes. that drives me nuts. I don't really? like it. Yeah, just because somebody's always talking. You afraid, Dave? Is it too dark for you? not afraid. I okay. just don't like it when people somebody's crinkle talking, their plastic uh, or, or you know, popcorn your or... feet stick to the ground. <laughs> You're okay with that? Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. You got to get the whole experience. That's you know? a part of the experience. Okay. Part of the experience. Gotcha. How, how's your wife adjusting to this? Is she liking it up here too? Yes, she loves it. Yeah. Uh, she loves it up here. Um, of course, it, it hasn't, I don't know, the winter hasn't came yet, but um, she's liking it so far. It's, it's not that bad. Okay, we always ask this when, when they're married. What, does she cook? Is she a good cook? What, what, what does she do that you, you love when you come home for practice? She's a great cook. Yeah. Um, yeah, see, I made tacos. Okay. Yesterday, I was like, oh, my goodness. Um, okay, because we, we make her favorite dish. We make you bring her favorite dish to the next show. Really? That's, that's part that's of it. That's part of it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll tell her to whip up something. Okay. That, that's never I'm happened. No, it hasn't. She doesn't have to. But I like, but I like tacos. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, if my wife was a good cook, I would wait for oh. her. Oh, so my wife's not a good cook. I will not tell Shannon that. No, she's terrible. I mean, she knows it. I'm Ooh. the one that cooks everything. She's the cleaner. She openly admits that she's a terrible cook. Wow. Like I said, I would weigh 400 pounds. So 
Uh-oh. Yeah. You got to you got to be good at something. He She's is in trouble. I know Shannon. No, it's it's not so true. You do the yeah, she knows. All right, let's yeah. talk a little bit about this game coming up. Um, Denver a couple years ago, just one of the great defenses and a good pack, great secondary. Struggled a little bit last year. What do you, what are you seeing going into this game? Uh, they're still a top, you know, top. They were top five defense last year, I think. Still um, with the record, uh, guys, you know, they got fifty eight. Von Miller, obviously. Uh, so. One thing, they're an athletic group. Um, it's going to be a challenge. What, what do you look at? You know, I remember preseason, you're, you're looking at kind of sometimes you don't really know exactly what, uh, what to expect coming out of the preseason because they're not showing you everything. Do you guys go back and look at like last year or a certain offensive coordinator like Bill Musgrave? Do you go back and, and do kind of pick and choose film from, from, from different eras or, or different uh, times as far as uh, the, the coaches go? Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, if it's the same scheme, then that's even better. But uh, for sure, go back to preseason as well as last season. You know, it's yeah. fun to watch you guys this year. You guys got size. I mean, you're 6'3". You got Brandon Marshall, 6'5". You got right. David Moore is over six foot. All 200-pounders, too strong. You know, it's kind of a, a theme. With that being said, what, what the reason you ended up coming to Seattle? Was it was something that was on your radar from the get-go? Right. Um, well, obviously, I haven't played against the team for a while. I obviously knew about the culture and everything and the, the winning attitude here. Um, I, th- I thought it was just a great opportunity, um, you know, coming here. I had other options, but I thought it was felt like the right opportunity. And when I came here and looked at facilities and everything, I was blown away meeting all the coaches and everything. So I was excited to be here. What do, what do they do in free agency that maybe some of the people here don't know about? Do they do something special for you to, to try and recruit you as a free agent? Um, I won't say too much. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's definitely good to feel one, and uh, I think the Seahawks definitely do that. I think cash always no, works. You know, right? that's, oh, that's always true, too, right? That works. <laughs> no state everybody. income tax. Do they, do they bring that right? up here? That's true. That is a good one. That's, uh, yeah. that's, that's true. Well, it's a big factor. <laughs> yeah, and we hear from other players that come here, it's like the moment you walk through the door, like everybody out there at the VMAC is just, I mean, they have, franchises in the NFL are different. Right. You know, I that's true. Remember I took a trip to Detroit before I was drafted in, Why? in 1987 because they wanted to look at me and they were willing to draft me and they had do you remember the old uh, racquetball courts that you had the little door you had to go through? Yes. Yeah. That was their weight room. Their <laughs> yeah. weight room was in a racquetball court. Oh, like no. and then I came to Seattle and this was, you know, a long time ago but you know, state of the art facilities that's at the time. time. Yeah. yeah, so really? it's it's yeah. interesting how how much it varies. I mean, they're all in the NFL but you, you see, some of these, uh, some of the owners are cheap. I mean, they're they're not good. You know, there are some you know facilities that aren't like up that's, to date. Yeah, that's that's very much true. I've been you know been around and seeing some things. That's true. I can say Seattle has definitely detox. Did, did you uh, did you go other places? Did you check out any anywhere else? Anybody else come and talk to you? Take any other trips? No, uh, actually, Seattle was my first visit. So um, yeah, you're like one and done. I'm done. Yeah. Was there was there a different energy today? I mean, you know, obviously, Earl Thomas is back. Not to make that big of a deal on that whole thing, but uh, you know, a little bit more excitement. Of course, just having him walk through the doors. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always you know. Um, I, of course, I wasn't here last year, but some of the guys are agreed to him back and with open arms, and I don't think it was an issue. Are you able to tell the difference of the way the defensive backs play here? Uh, as because uh, you know we're like Richard Sherman for example he's down in San Francisco and some of the corners that have left here have not had great success 
other places. Is there anything that, that you could tell us that, to describe how the pass defense is played here as opposed to other places? Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't really know how to answer that. Uh, more on the defensive side, um, I could tell you they uh, definitely play uh, aggressive here, um, and you know they have a lot of different schemes, so you can mix it up a little bit. What do you think that we're going to emphasize? Will this be a three-wide receiver offense, two tight ends? I mean, what, what are you guys working on most of the time? Not to give away game plans or anything, but just throughout the preseason, what did you guys line up the most in? Uh, yeah, throughout the preseason, um, we were primarily three-wide sets. So I um, think uh, mix it up a little bit and really focus on the run. Do you care what side you're on? I mean, I mean, would you like to be on the right side left side inside is there a preference for no, you no no preference none no just out there just get out there, <laughs> and, just call, there. and call number 18's number hey, that's yeah that's yes. the key <laughs> how many times have, have you played at denver uh i want to say maybe three three or four times um preseason of course uh arizona somehow they always play denver in the fourth preseason game so uh, it's kind of high, high altitude up there. It's kind of hard to breathe. Up there. Yeah, did you notice that? Because I played there, but, you know, of course you get used to it. But right. we opened there two years in a row when Paul and I were playing, and I, I guess I remember getting breathing hard, like getting a little bit winded, but it wasn't anything that was going to affect my performance, I didn't feel like. No, I mean, uh, probably after that second series, you, you kind of catch a win and um, yeah. just, just suck it up. <laughs> it, it's just kind of uncomfortable in the beginning, right? For sure. Yeah. I think it uh, definitely makes a difference being up there in the, the mountains. Have any of these new rules affected you guys? I mean, working on a practice, I, mean, I can't imagine a, a wide receiver getting called for a helmet-to-helmet shot. I mean, that no. drives me crazy. It actually does drive me crazy that quarterbacks aren't held more accountable to protect you guys. Really. I mean, they throw it all on the DBs now. <laughs> Hey, do right. you guys talk about that all day? Does Russell, and you, or do you just say, you know what, it's too bad, we're throwing it down the middle, I'm putting it here, it's get a out of the situation. way. You know, um, I have a lot of, the DB, I hear it from a lot of my friends, that they're like, yeah, yeah, we don't know how to tackle you. You know, um, it's become an issue where you're really so focused on how to hit a guy, uh, if you don't hit him, he's going to make the play and yeah. make a touchdown. So it's like, it's really a tough situation, so I'm glad I'm on a, the receiver side of that. <laughs> you, you made a good decision. It right. would be it would be hard to be a DB. No, yeah, this, yeah, like this time, right? Well, and it's interesting too, Jerron. Like in, in our day, I mean, if you went low and hit a guy in the knees, you would be considered kind of a cheap shot, dirty play, right? Right, yeah, dirty yeah. player. And now it's like that's what they want you to do. And you know, for me as a player, I got caught and had my knee blown out in college. I'm like, hit me in the head. I'll take a concussion over a blown Blown knee knee. every time. So, yeah, it's... It's It's tough, man. It's it's really tough, especially for a defensive uh, safety or somebody like like that. Um, That has to make a split decision second. No, it's really... It's really bad. Have you you been a part of one of those plays where a flag was thrown? Yes. And and how did you... Was it because you were hit? And how did you feel about it? Uh, I felt like they should have got a flag. (laughs) <laughs> but um, to be honest with you, uh, all of my hits were, were like clearly you know out of line. So oh okay, yeah. gotcha. there was no <laughs> it wasn't like there no was bang, no bang or gray no, area no gray area. Okay, no. they were <laughs> cheap was, shots. It was clear. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> you know I, 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 we're probably spending too much time on this, but it is an interesting topic because the game has changed. There's no question it's changed the last five ten years. For sure, you come across the middle. Where where do you want a DB to hit you? I mean, because I, I, I would tell you a DB to hit you in the knees. That is not natural for a DB. It's uncomfortable. Right. Um, but they're, they're telling you to go there. Are you okay? I mean, it's more of 
if I had to hit you low 20 years ago, you would have got up and chested on me. Like, what are you doing? You're trying to take my livelihood away. Right. Now they do it. Is it, is it a no conversation? Um, you know, you kind of sort of, I would rather the DB hit me in my stomach area, yeah. more my rib area, if anything. Um, yeah, when they, when they go low, you know, sometimes that, that does, sucks. Yeah. Well, Jerron, we really appreciate you taking the time to, to come out here and, uh, Welcome to Seattle. Thank you. Really excited to watch you play this year. Can't wait. Let's hear it for Jerron Brown, everybody. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to from Danny David Moore. I don't know if you're familiar with that show. No. We're going to talk to Danny O'Neill. 6 o'clock every night. That's next on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar. And if you want the uh, latest expertise on uh, the game, in-person interviews, expertise from Paul Moyer, of course, not myself. Uh, Seahawk player we're going to have live every week. We just wrapped up with Jerron Brown. and Don't miss the show. It's 7 o'clock every Thursday night. I want to thank our, our sponsors, Heritage Distillings, Batch Number 12 Vodka, and Legendary Donuts. Oh, man, those donuts are so good. Kenny and Shannon here tonight. And... Uh, all right, we got Danny O'Neill from, uh, they have it here, Danny, uh, Misfit Radio. Uh, wh- what do they mean by that? We're joined by uh, my co-host Danny O'Neill right now, Paul, and I, they, they labeled him a misfit. Yeah, that's Why correct. That, Danny? Well, it's very simple that in uh, Island of Misfit Toys, in the, the Christmas classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, they all get mismatched and put together, and somehow they make people laugh, which is what we you know, hope to do from uh, 3 to 6. I like to think, Danny, that you're the squirt gun that shoots jelly. Do you remember that? From, anybody remember that? From I do. Red I do. Yes, I, I do. Yeah. I, I, I like to That's think you. of Dave as a beardless Yukon Cornelius. <laughs> I have a slight beard, Danny. But, yeah. Uh, hey, uh, let's get into it. Let me ask you, and we talked about this on our show. So what are you most excited to see? I think I know what, what your response is going to be, but what's the, the single, and it can be a, a phase of the game or just a player that you're most excited to see in Denver this week? I'm really excited to watch Chris Carson run the ball. And it, it's strange to say that you're not looking forward to seeing the first-round pick, but, but I, really, I really think Chris Carson is a guy that's going to I think he's going to get about 12 or so carries. I think he's going to be their leading rusher this season. I think Rashad Penny will be a, a guy that was a potential home run threat and somebody they look to get outside. But I think that Seattle wants to reboot its offense and get back to what it was known for, and that's a physical between-the-tackles run game. And I think Chris Carson's ready to do it. I'm excited to see it. I think he's really confident. And rather than having the injury unplug the progress, I think he's come back with the, the, the belief of, like, hey, man, I know I can do this. Now, one of the knocks on Denver's defense, I got this from Dave Wyman, is they're not good cover guys. They can come off the edge. You know, they're pretty good against the run. Uh, do you, and with that being said, Penny, yeah, that's your guy coming out of the backfield, catching the football. Do you see he, him getting some quality time this week? I definitely think that you'll see him as the third down back, and there are going to be times that they try to get him in space. And I do think that they are going to throw the ball to running backs. And Carson can catch too, but, but Penny's the guy – that I, that I think is the, the bigger, not really a slasher because he's bigger than that. I mean, he's 230, but I think they believe he's got 
He's he he's got the is a threat to score when he gets the ball in his hands, and I do think they'll throw the ball to running backs this season. You know, another guy, Danny. I get kind of a, a, I guess a little bit more emotionally engaged in this is Shaquem Griffin, and the reason why is because our producer Jessamyn McIntyre just did an awesome job putting together this audio, and it's it's just quotes from Shaquem. And, you know, when he was drafted and then a couple of highlights and with the NFL music in the background, it was just awesome. But what he is embarking on here is it's it's something that's never happened in the NFL. And, you know, look, we, we haven't really talked about it that much because, look, he, he's a player that's out there just like anybody else. But guy doesn't have a left hand. And, you know, for to, to play in, in the NFL and especially the question marks from the people that are the experts you know, I remember talking to John Schneider a couple of years ago about that. You think that guy can play in the NFL, by the way? He's like, you know, I don't know. And and he's playing, man. It's it's pretty cool. And, you know, it's it's something that, you know, we're not going to sit there and make a big deal. He's a great player in the NFL no matter what. But what he's doing is is really awesome and very inspiring to a lot of people. I completely agree. And in some ways, he embodies kind of the, the spirit or the ethic that I think has made the Seahawks so great under Pete Carroll, which is, we're not going to look for the reasons you can't do something. We're going to see the path that allows you to do something. And I think that that's why he's a perfect fit here. I'm excited to see what the connection between he and his brother. You're going to have twins starting in the defense this weekend. And while K.J. Wright will eventually be back, I think that you're going to see Shaquille and Shaquem Griffin become a huge part of the personality of this team. And, and I'll be excited to see what that looks like going forward. The, the, the fact, I didn't want to... I didn't, I, I didn't want to pull for, hey, man, I really hope they draft Shaquem Griffin because I wasn't sure it was the right football decision. I, I didn't trust my eyes enough to be able to look at him and, and objectively evaluate how he would fit. I, I loved watching him in college, and I actually thought he would be a really good pass rusher, and I think the answer from the Seahawks has been he can blitz. He's not big enough to be a pass rusher. But one, the moment that they chose him, I got so excited about the possibility that hey, man, we are going to be able to see something potentially unprecedented, both with two twin brothers playing in the same defense and a guy in Shaquem who's playing without a left hand. All right, that was going to be my next question. How many twins are there, Danny? <laughs> That's a great question. If you have are two, there two twins, if you have two Isn't twins, two twins four. If you have two Danny twins, no. saying there's two twins out no, there. And I'm, I'm a, t- I am a twin. Two twins is for you. I forgot this, Danny. We were having this discussion. Paul Moyer is a twin. I am a twin. He's a twin sister. And, so, and if my sister was here, looking. you could say, "Oh, there's two twins there," but it would be a pair of twins. Would be four. No, if you had two That's pairs all- of twins. Yeah, something like that. All right, let me get out to it. Yeah, now you make, yeah, make me think about this all night. This is why Radio. All right, got to bring this up. Obviously, big, big news, Earl Thomas walking in. There, a few years ago, uh, Cam Chancellor, when, when he came back, um, I think it's a very different situation. One, Cam came back, and he, we really didn't have a backup for him. They, we tried to say there was, but it wasn't. It was just, can we have a stopgap? I think Tedrick Thompson was showing that, you know, he's pretty capable. By no means Earl, but, but capable. On top of that, Cam came back. It was the same defense, right? I mean, the guys, they've been playing together for years and, and won Super Bowls, been to Super Bowls. This one's very different because so many guys are, are new on the defense. What, what do you think the, the mood is? Just and the excitement, or, and I'm not even sure what it is. Just, what do you expect for Earl coming back? Just the, I guess, the emotion of this defense. I think he's going to help 
because he's a great player. I agree with your characterization that this is a much different situation than Cam Chancellor returned to in 2015. That was a defense coming off of well, three straight seasons where they'd allowed the fewest points in the NFL and back-to-back Super Bowl appearances. They were ready to go, and they were missing their leader. This is, this is different. The, the page has turned. There are going to be six new starters on, on the defense. When, they, when the season begins, you're going to have six guys starting for the Seahawks defense for the first time, and it was going to be seven until Earl came back. The thing that made me feel best about the idea that Earl can return to this team relatively seamlessly is that Tedrick Thompson, when we talked to him about two weeks ago, said that he was talking to Earl, not necessarily on a daily basis, but he had talked to him a couple days before. And, and that said a lot to me because Earl has never been the most communicative of, of, the, of, of the backfield uh, uh, in that secondary. He's never been the guy that talks the most. And when he does talk, sometimes guys don't understand exactly what it is that he's trying to communicate. He can speak in a little bit of a different language because he sees the game differently. The fact that he was that connected to Tedrick the guy that was taking his spot, so to speak, in, in the defense, I, I thought that that was really telling. I don't think this is going to be disruptive. I think it's going to be something where you get the eraser at the back of your defense back. The, the bigger question I have is that it's not like they haven't done anything in the past six months in terms of changing the defense or Ken Norton's calls. It, it, is, is Earl going to be able to pick it up seamlessly? Because... That, that, to me, is a bigger question than how he's going to mesh with the personalities. You know, we open, when we opened the show, it, I, I threw a stat out there. And uh, the Seahawks are 5-21 and 21 all-time in Denver. Denver's 17-1 from Brock Heward on the last 18 home openers. With that being said, give me hope why we're going to win this game. What do we got to do? Because Case Keenum is not the difference maker at quarterback that Russell Wilson is. And Seattle's recipe for these sort of games is keep close, give yourself a shot in the fourth quarter, and then trust your playmakers to make plays. And Seattle has the best playmaker on the field in number three. And I think that, that, is, that that's their best shot, and not as much is going to depend on Russell this season because you are going to have a running game to help shoulder some of the load. Yeah, you know what, Danny, and I'll kind of tease ahead to what Paul and I are going to talk to uh, talk about next uh, when we wrap up the show. But just sort of this uh, this national sort of ongoing narrative that the Seahawks, all the all the doubters out there, and you know, and I would say, look, you've got a really good group of guys, including Russell Wilson. But you know, we talked today also, and I thought you brought up a good point, Danny. Does this team? Is it relying on its rookies? Because you've got seven of the nine that are on the active roster, at least the 53-man roster. We'll see what happens on on game day, who they deactivate. But, you know, you've got a lot of uh, those guys are question marks. I don't care, you know, how good of a preseason you have as a rookie. Going into the regular season, a rookie is always a question mark and always something that you don't know you can count on. And uh, I thought that was a a good point by by you. And and then Jim brought up also that – well, maybe those guys made the team not because they're so good, but just because the level of talent that you have. I think they're both, you know, fair points to make. I look back to 2011 as this sort of the template for this season, where you had a lot of turnover in 2010 to 2011 for the Seahawks. They went through the lockout. There, were, there was a number of different changes that were made. They changed quarterbacks with Matt Hasselback moving on, and they came into that season. And you looked out at the defense, and you're like. But K.J. Wright, a rookie 
fourth round pick who was drafted to play outside linebacker. He's going to start at middle linebacker week one. You're going to have Brandon Browner, who wasn't even in the NFL the past few years. He was up north, and he doesn't look like a corner. He's going to start at corner. It, it looked it looked like a disaster. I mean, that's really you you looked out there and you're like this this they're going to expect to compete with this. They're more talented right now than they were that year, just based on the pedigree of players. They've got an all pro middle linebacker in Bobby Wagner. They have one of the five best quarterbacks in the league, in my mind, in Russell Wilson, and they have an all-pro safety in Earl Thomas. And then you've got the young guys, and we're going to see how good they are. And I I do think that if this team is going to win nine or ten games and get into the playoffs, I do think that this rookie class has to be good. You you have to get contributions from them. Somebody has to pop where you're like, man, that guy is a player, in the same way that in 2011 K.J. Wright popped, in the same way that Cam Chancellor emerged, and you're like, man— Cam's one of the best safeties here. You need a couple of those guys to really step forward. I'm not sure who they're going to be, but but they've got they've got a nucleus of players that they've got to have some stars emerge from there if if they are going to contend this year. You know what excites me, Danny, um, and it, it, this is something we have not had, and and I think it it goes back to 2011. One, I, we are going to run the football. I, we've got enough skill in the running backs, and I, I, I truly believe the offensive line is is much improved, and I like the scheme we're doing as well, just pulling guards. It's, it keeps defenses off balance. But the one thing we haven't done, and this is where I think helps Russell, in the past, look, we've had Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett, right? They're, they're two smaller receivers. You can do things to take that away with a defense. We've never had these guys who are 6'5", six 6'3", six six plus, 200 pounds, where we say, hey, Russell, all you have to do is look to one side, look outside, run an option route. You know, it's going to be the back throw, shoulder throw. It's going to be a fade. Um, if they try to press him, we think we can get, beat them over the top. I, we've never really had that guy where Russell can go, I've got this guy who can get me out of trouble. And we got physical tight ends. I think we're so much better offensively than last year, just from the scheme of the guys they brought in. J- just your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that the, the, the fact that they've made the, the changes they have, I, I do think that there is an energy that's there. And, and I think you look at Brandon Marshall has been, in my mind, the, the biggest surprise in a really good way over training camp. I thought this was a veteran who was, he, he was willing to give it one last go, but he wasn't getting paid all that much money, and he was coming back from injuries, and I, my, my expectations weren't great. I didn't think he'd make the team when training camp opened. He's practiced hard. He's tried to mentor younger players who are playing on the other side of the ball and in cornerback Trey Flowers. And when they've thrown the ball up there, you mentioned the size of a wide receiver. Pete Carroll's teams have had a lot of success with big receivers. And I could totally see a situation where Brandon Marshall ends up catching 50 passes. They haven't had a veteran who's come in like that in a sort of end of the career twilight renaissance that's made a difference like that. Kevin Williams started for a year, but he was a defensive tackle. I really think Brandon Marshall could, could really help. And honestly, I, I think the more and more we hear from guys who left here and have gone on and played elsewhere, the more I think that the change was probably overdue and that they, they tried to round up the group and bring, it one, bring, bring the band back together one more time last season. And they might have been better making some of these changes a year ago. I think they're going to be better served by having a new nucleus of players in the locker room. Danny, great stuff. We really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, man. You guys sound great. It's been really fun to listen to you. Jerron Brown was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a great kid. So, yeah, I'm going to really be excited to Danny, watch Danny, who's going to win this week? <laughs>
Uh, I think that the Broncos are going to get him, man. I think they've got too much pass rush for the Seahawks. Sorry to rain on the parade. No, All just, right, you know what, Dan? I'm just glad go. you said we sounded great. So we had something to at least look forward to there. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. Talk to you guys soon. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Danny. Really <laughs> Thanks, appreciate Danny. it. All right, coming up next, uh, what we just talked about, you know, the pundits uh, around the, the country thinking the Seahawks are in for a rough season. We'll talk about that and wrap up the show. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka and Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey, welcome back to Hawks Live. I want to thank Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar for a delicious dinner before the show. Tonight we had fish and chips. They got short ribs here, Paul. So good. Come on down and enjoy all that Pearl has to offer. Drink, food, specials they have going on during the show. Every Thursday, and we'll have a player every Thursday as well. And, of course, Paul Moyer will be here with me um, every Thursday. So, And we're enjoying this uh, game on uh, on the television, Who's winning? a bunch of TVs down here. Uh, Atlanta Falcons are beating them right now, oh, right? Darn. Yeah. So, hey, Paul, we talked about this. We, we teased it. And something that we've, uh, I don't know, as Seahawks fans, maybe get a little bit of a chip on our shoulder about the national storyline of what's going on with the Seahawks. I think, f- from my view, people see that Richard Sherman left. And then also, you know, maybe a little chatter <laughs> on the way, uh, a little commentary. A little? Uh, yeah, about uh, how Pete runs the team. Same thing with Michael Bennett. You don't have... You know, have Cliff Averill and Cam Chancellor both retiring. And so people see all that and like, okay, the Seahawk era is over. And, you know, the way I see it, the, the guys that I always think about when I ever hear that, Pete Carroll, who I think is the best coach, maybe, you know, right up there with Belichick, one of those two, Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, Dwayne Brown. Yeah, we haven't even talked yep. about him tonight. I'm a guy who is probably the best left tackle in the NFC anyway. Uh, you have Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett. I mean, who am I missing? I mean, K.J. Wright. You've got a lot of really good players here that I think people have forgotten about, especially to me, especially Pete and Russell. Because and Russell, you know, he had good stats last year. And first of all, Pete, you know, just a great coach, always able to develop talent. Russell had great stats last year, but he just wasn't as efficient as, you know, he, he can be in, in years past. And if you give him a running game and a decent defense, which is what they were last year, I think they're going to win more than eight games. That's, that's for sure. And I think on the upside, Paul, yeah. they could possibly be an 11-5 and five team. Well, I, I, get, I guess I guess the, nation, or the national pundits in that there's some unknown. We're, we're relying on some young guys. Uh, and, and this is a, a youth game. You, know, you want young guys. And it's hard to dismantle a Super Bowl team like we had in 13 and 14. You ride it a couple of more years. And I, and I think if, Cage, or excuse me, if Cam hadn't had to retire and Cliff Averill, to me, Bennett and Sherman, it was time for them to go. Yes. You know, when your personality is so big and, you, and, and some of your play starts to decline, but you're, you're starting to make it uncomfortable, it's time for you to go. Cliff right. and Cam, I mean, I would love to have still had those guys back. With that being said, they brought in guys, though, to really get back to their identity, and that is tough football, particularly on the offensive side. You, know, you brought you, you, you draft, you know, a, the most physical, best blocking tight end in, in college coming out last year. Um, you know, you get away from the Jimmy Graham, who's a good player, but it's just it changed our philosophy. You know, you're moving him out wide now. You're trying to bring him in to block. He wasn't a great blocker. 
We've added depth at running back so we can play smash mouth football. We can run traps. And more importantly, we got some size, I think, outside for the receivers for Russell. But here's where I think the biggest change is going to happen. And I think we're going to see it here in Seattle, and they'll, they'll start to figure it out nationally. He needed to be coached again. It's hard to coach an all-pro guy six years in a row. What are you going to teach him? And you need a new voice. And that's what they did. They brought in a new voice. It's like kids. After a while, they stop hearing your message. You know, you're, you're, you, you discipline them, but they're, it's not the same as it was when they were younger. Russell needs to be coached and be even greater than he is today. And to give him an offense, I don't want to say simplify. I, I think it, to just clear his mind a little bit and let him be the best he can be. Focus. See what's out there. You know, you don't have to worry about backside and all this other stuff. If they're open, you can hit it. And we're going to develop a running game for you, and we're going to protect you better. So I'm excited about this offense. I, I think the tough one is defensively because we're counting on six different guys. We don't know what they can do yet, yeah. even though they look good on paper. And a lot of young guys. But I'll go back to what Ken Norton said about this draft class. And I I just remember it so clearly. He said, I have a very high opinion of these kids that are coming in. And it was about how they come early, they leave late, they don't complain, they soak up all the information, they work hard. So it's a a good young group. So I'm excited. Real quick, Paul, prediction prediction for for Sunday. Well, first of all, I want to congratulate you being the color guy on the radio. It's it's exciting because I've listened to you forever, worked for you. I'm going to miss you on the the pregame show because we've had a lot of fun doing that. But I'm excited for everybody to get to hear you and Rabel and and the stuff you're going to bring. I think this is going to be a tough one. I, I really do. I, I, I think you know their record at, at mile high is, is awfully good, but I'm not going against what the Seahawks have brought to the table this offseason. And Russell Wilson in this running game, I think we find a way to squeak one out. I think it's a low-scoring game because I think both defenses will be tough. Um, but I, I think this will be the time for the Seahawks to show, okay, what we did in the offseason is, is for real. And now for you all nationally to figure this out, too. Yeah, I think my, my prediction was 21-20, that the Seahawks are in a position to, to win it in the end. And because of the top five quarterback, they end up winning it. But I can't give you the score because everybody listens to that and Dory and them. Oh, you've when got to do, do our thing show, on Sunday. Yeah. And then he'll take my score and rig the system. And I can't have that. <laughs> I can't have it. Sounds like there's some bitterness there. Yes. Yeah. Hey, I want to thank all you guys for coming tonight. Uh, Hawks Live has just been uh, it's our first show with yeah. Paul and I running it. Really, uh, but uh, couldn't have done it without our producer, Curtis Rogers, engineer, Brenna Hutchison, um, and then also uh, promotions manager, Jessica Kelly, our board op back at the station, Brian Schoening, and then most importantly, our executive producer, NASA Choby. So we'll be back here next Thursday with the player. Thanks for coming, and uh, we'll see you next Thursday on Hawks Live.